the Spot Track Podcast, talking sports contracts, the salary cap, and business of sports. Today's edition of the Spot Track Podcast is presented by The Athletic. Visit theathletic.com slash Spot Track, S P O T R A C, in your browser. Register today and get 40% off that first year subscription. Download the app, tell them who you like, add free content at your fingertips every single day. Theathletic.com slash Spot Track. My name is Mike Trinetti. Happy Monday. A little bit of football, a little bit of basketball. Today, a little bit of baseball next time. That's how we're going to play out this week, at least for now. Um, one of the preludes to today's episode will be trade candidates. And I have a feeling with that November 1st deadline sort of coming around in the NFL here and some craziness this weekend, that at least a couple of names are going to be, if not traded, sent packing, which will assume, in turn become open season, and free agency for a few notable weapons. But I'll get to some of those names here in a second. Kyler Murray to start. Trade candidates in the middle. Scott Allen and some NBA extensions because the deadline for a lot of these veterans and some of these rookies is here. It's today. And uh, the real deal starts tomorrow. We've seen some, some pretty good names here to lock in. And while we don't have the official, official, officials on those, we can certainly guesstimate with the, in terms of the Warriors and things like that what this is going to look like, not really this year, but next year, and speculate what other kind of, you know, what happens with Draymond, et cetera, et cetera. But the numbers are eye-staggering <laughs> because of these last two extensions. So we're going to focus on that, but there's a couple other numbers to get to as well in the NBA. That's the back end of the show. Kyler Murray. I've been reluctant to do this because a lot of networks have been all over this one really since the contract was signed and certainly for the first six weeks now as Arizona has, honestly, they look exactly like a lot of us thought they were going to look, which is lackluster, disconnected, unable to gather themselves and become a down the stretch or really any kind of consistent potent offense. And we knew the defense was going to suffer. They just, they lost too many pieces and didn't replace them. They're taking Hail Mary shots on draft picks. I, uh, I knew this team was not going to be in contention. There were certain networks out there, man, I'll give them credit, that thought this could be one of the worst teams in football. And I now believe that's the case, barring some sort of massive change. And by the way, I don't think DeAndre Hopkins is that massive change. He's going to help. And there's going to be moments where he's going to bail out Kyler Murray, as he's done in the past here. But they're banged up now in a couple of other areas. I just don't think that offensive line keeps Kyler Murray afloat. And Kyler Murray is not doing the dance right now. He looks a little bit like Russell Wilson in that he doesn't know whether to go left, right, up, or down. And that's okay, except for the contract. And now it's time to talk about that and those two things connected. Because I've, I've broken down this contract a lot. And I don't think enough people understand the stability of this contract, even though I've said it 77 times. But when you put that performance on the field, and we can carry over from last year. You know, that playoff game was ugly, and I'll get to it. Carry now into this year, and what we think is gonna, this is going to look like for 17 weeks. The only good news I have for Arizona fans is Kyler Murray's contract gives them plenty of time to fix this roster because it's not going to be the other way around. It could have been and probably should have been, and that's where I have to talk about this. This, is, this would have been year four of Kyler Murray's rookie contract. 
three million cash. Super nice cap hit. Absolutely nothing to worry about, financially speaking, from a long-term standpoint, yada, yada. That's not where we are now. The next two seasons in that rookie deal would have combined for $35 million. Now they combine for $69 million, an increase of $34 million. And you can say, that's fine. That's just the going rate. That's exactly right. Josh Allen for his first two years got 67. Jared Goff, 57. Carson Wentz, 56. Patrick Mahomes, 33 in the first two years of his extension. Why am I noting those players? Those are the players with recent contracts after the third year of the rookie contract. The, the, the second they become extension eligible, those players sign their extension. That didn't happen for Baker Mayfield. That didn't happen for Mitch Trubisky. Watson's in there. Watson has redone it since, obviously. But, you know, Watson's original contract was crazy friendly. Super stable, super easy to trade, by the way. Did Kyler Murray, outside of his draft position, and one playoff appearance, one ugly playoff appearance, did he warrant not only a top-of-the-market contract from a guarantee standpoint, from an average salary standpoint, certainly from a multi-year structure standpoint, right? The vesting options. But did he warrant a $34 million increase over the next two seasons when, you know, we follow baseball quite a bit here. We're going to talk about it in the middle of the week. These early baseball contracts, what the Braves have been doing, what the Mariners have been doing, what the Rays have been doing, Signing their 21, 22-year-olds to, you know, multi-million dollar extensions, but keeping intact that, oh, this was going to be a pre-arb year. This was going to be an arbitration year. So we don't have to pump $25 million salaries into those seasons because the expected salary was 800000 If we make it $2 million, he's winning, and we can handle that. If we pay this guy $40 million th- through his arbitration, he's doing well. You know, that's about probably where a good above average player would be in arbitration for three years. So they're not front loading these things with veteran salaries in Major League Baseball and to some degree in football. Patrick Mahomes, a baseball guy who got a baseball contract, right? He's super long, structured early to kind of placate his rookie contract years. And then gets not soon, right? $55, $56 million salaries. Baseball. That's not what happened here. And by the way, Kyler Murray, baseball guy. Almost picked baseball over football. So he and his agent know exactly what the hell's going on here. And they fleece the Cardinals. They fleece. There's no reason Kyler Murray should have the cash flow that he has right now. And even more so, and even more importantly, there's no reason that Kyler Murray should have contract stability through 2027 right now and he does he is locked and loaded through 2027 because of early vests now they can dump it and pay him to go away but they're paying him they're paying him 220 million dollars here triple bonus just the work i know by the way they're going to have to restructure in two years so it's going to be even worse down the road now that doesn't say it's going to lock in that last year but i don't have a contract on the books right now nobody outside of Mahomes, which is just it's unicorn sitting in its own cloud I don't have a contract on the books in the NFL 
that is that is six years of potential out. Six, 2022 through 2027. This is the only one. Did this guy deserve this contract at this moment? Hell no. Especially if you're the Arizona owner and you hand Steve Kime, the GM, and Cliff Kingsbury, the head coach, contract extensions early March. And you can say, oh, they're just an all-in organization. They're all betting on themselves. They're all in. That's not how this works, okay? It's business. There's always a fall guy. And by the way, Kingsbury was the easy fall guy here. Super easy. Everybody was calling for it. Hell, they were calling for it after the, the massive downturn last year. This was one of the best teams in football for eight weeks last year. Maybe the best team in football. They faltered down the stretch. They, pit, they puttered out of the playoffs in ugly fashion. 34-11 to 11 to the Rams. And Kyler was the worst, throwing the ball into the ground left and right. Even if you wanted to stick, stick it around with Kyler, why extend Kingsbury? Why, why, why the vote of confidence, financially speaking, with Kingsbury? Why Kime? Okay? Because clearly, they weren't afraid to make the quarterback the fall guy the last time. This is an organization, and I applauded them for it, that threw Josh Rosen to the curb as quickly as humanly possible. Way quicker than I think most franchises would have done it with their first-round draft pick. They did it. Now, they had the number one pick on the horizon, and they knew that there was a, Murray, a Kyler Murray or somebody out there for them. So they were certainly a backup plan. Guess what? <laughs> they could be in that same scenario right now. If they hadn't locked in Kyler Murray in July, this could be a make-or-break situation. And by the way, that roster looks like a roster that should be in make-or-break mode. If that team can't get it together, I'm not sure they can. There's just no depth there. It should be rip it up and start over in almost every facet of important position, including the quarterback. Now that can't happen. Now this is a team that has to build around Kyler Murray. Has to. For six years. And is that the worst thing in the world? No. He's an above-average quarterback. I just don't know if he's a winning quarterback. And they're going to find out because they're going to roll a whole bunch of wide receivers his way and, and, and maybe some more you know, dynamic running backs. Maybe they're going to change his style of play. I imagine Kingsbury's not going to make this too far, even though he's going to get paid to leave. Why extend the coach and the GM? To, to lock them in and say, all right, it's your system. Now make it work and then get bullied into a Murray contract five months later. That I don't understand. You could have given the vote of confidence to the front office to say, it's your decision here, guys. You've got the long-term stability now, financially speaking. You guys figure out the quarterback. And if, they're and if it was, this is our guy, we're going to lock him in to this ridiculously strong contract, and it doesn't work out after this year, do they get one more year? Because people are going to be calling for heads here left and right if this team is one of the worst teams in the NFC. And by the way, that's where they're trending. They better figure this out because they really paid themselves into a wall here. It's not the guy, not the player. It's not the roster. It's not the coach, not the GM. It's all of it. 
None of it looked like it was going to work. And you paid for it all anyway. I can't, I can't get on board with that. That is such backwards thinking in this th- style of football. And oh, by the way, this isn't just a wide receiver that you overpaid for. This isn't the Raiders throwing multiple first-round picks to get Devontae Adams because he might be that one piece that takes this team to the top. This is the quarterback position. And if you look anywhere in sports, there is no bigger gap right now between one position and the rest of the league than the quarterback financially and everybody else. It's a 66% increase to pay a top quarterback in football right now over any position in the game. We have $30 million pass rushers. We have $30 million wide receivers. We have $50 million quarterback. And we're going to have a couple more here soon. 66% increase to pay your quarterback. So you better get it right. And you better be in the right position to pay that kind of money. Because if you're not, then don't even consider it. You had two, at least two, definitely three, maybe even four years to slow play this Kyler Murray situation. It could be Lamar 2.0 or Kirk Cousins 2.0, however you want to look at this. Easily it could have been that. And the, and the answer simply could have been, we can't do this yet because our roster isn't ready for a $50 million quarterback. It's not. And we're, we're working on that. We're going to get it there. We're going to turn some things over. And then we're all going to get paid and we're all going to go, go live happily ever after and be contenders in the NFC. They got bullied into this contract by an agent that was aggressive. You know, the social media stuff, the trade request stuff, all that hit this year. This was all in the past six months. And, uh, and you know they got bullied because of that clause, because of that ridiculous video clause, clause that should be asked and answered at the combine and never talked about again. But not only did they include that in the contract, they made it public. Kyler Murray's camp didn't make that public. They weren't trying to embarrass the Cardinals. The Cardinals were trying to push back a little bit on the fact that they just got bullied into one of the strongest contracts in the history of the league for a guy that they aren't sure they should have paid. That's the read. That's that's the only read here. And now they're dealing with it, and it's going to be long-term. So so this GM or the next GM better figure this freaking thing out because this guy's not going away, at least not without $220 million. Speaking of going away, the November 1st trade deadline is just around the corner for the NFL. You're definitely starting to hear plenty about it. We had the Rams come out this weekend and basically say Cam Akers is done with as a Ram. Guess what happens when, when teams say stuff like that? Outright releases. <laughs> They've been trying to trade him for weeks. They're not even getting calls back, in my guess. And uh, something happened here with this player. This was a player that looked the part, smelled the part, had shown flashes of it. There was an injury built into this rookie deal, but uh, something internally with the Rams as a whole, but specifically with this player, completely fell off a cliff. Um, it's year three of a rookie contract. It's crazy cost controlled. There's no guarantees. He's got about 600,000, 650,000 left at the deadline this year. And then a non-guaranteed 1.4 next year. So you can, you can have at it here. Is it worth a six round pick? I I don't know. I, I don't know what the intangibles behind the scenes are going on here, but my guess is teams are just going to let this one fizzle. And either the Rams are going to stick him on the back of the roster and there's going to be some turmoil or they're going to outright release this guy and then somebody's going to grab him on a minimum, which is, you know, $895,000 right now prorated for 12 weeks. 
That one's coming to a head. There's no question about that. The other one coming to a head is obviously Robbie Anderson with the Panthers, who was kicked off the sideline after an altercation with a coach in week six. It's a similar situation. He's got 575000 left on, on this deal, on this year's salary, because they restructured $9 million. Actually, $11 million. They restructured $11 million of this, of this salary, March 18th. This guy was supposed to be here. This guy was absolutely supposed to be a factor this year, and there was no guarantees next year, so he could fall off the roster after this. Now he's going to fall off the roster right now. And by the way, when you kick your guy off the sideline, it's just as good as saying he's not going to be here anymore. So I think teams are going to wait this one out too because it is dirt cheap. I guess that's the only benefit we have. The only thing coming over this year is 575000 at the deadline. By the way, same deal for McCaffrey. So you could have Robbie Anderson and Christian McCaffrey off this Panthers roster for $1.1 million for the rest of the year cash and cap. That's a fact. So if that's worth a draft pick to you because, of, because it's that cheap, that friendly, I understand it. But I, have, I think a hell of a lot of teams are going to look at these two situations, Akers and Anderson, and say, that's already too far gone. The leverage is completely gone for those teams. They're going to have to cut bait. Why would we give up any kind of draft pick, if not a seventh pick swap or something, seventh round swap or something like that? So maybe, but I would say that those situations are too volatile to even to consider on the trade market. A couple of them uh, names that I have in this trade list that you may not see elsewhere because I'm just kind of reading the tea leaves a little bit. I know Gusecki had a nice game yesterday. But he's been an absolute ghost in this offense. And he's on the franchise tag. The problem is this. There's $6 million left on that salary at the deadline. Are the Dolphins going to eat cash to, to buy a draft pick on this one? It's possible. I mean, that's a very Mike McDaniels type thing to do, at least from his San Francisco days and the, that front office there. I don't know that he's got that kind of situation in Miami right now. Miami's given, not getting right now, more than anything. My guess is he sticks around unless there's some kind of major injury and or, and or the Dolphins really fall off the cliff here over the next couple of weeks, which is possible. They're banged up at the quarterback position to start, that's for sure. Got Josh Jacobs on this list. Pending free agent. They declined his fifth-year option in Las Vegas, which I get. He's playing great football. He's one of the more notable three-down backs right now in the game. Got 17 grabs. You know, only one fumble. He's, he's been a really consistent non-fumbler in this league. The numbers were down a little bit. He missed the game last year. It, it's, he's durable. He's doing what he's doing here. He's playing 92% of the snaps for Vegas right now, even after they declined him, right? They, they didn't want to pay him. They, they, assume, they assume they're never going to pay him. That's probably how a lot of teams treat their running backs right now. If this team stays at the bottom of the division and they're barely in the playoff hunt in the AFC come deadline day. Do you throw this guy in the box and try to at least get the compensatory draft pick you would have gotten anyway for him next year? Maybe. Because if is this guy signing, what, three for 12? If that, it's possible that the running back market continues to nosedive and we're not even getting six, $7 million salaries out of these guys anymore. You can get a mid-round pick for him this November. I think do it. So that's the name I'd put out there, especially... If McCaffrey doesn't go, I don't know why he wouldn't at this point, but especially if McCaffrey stays, 
especially if Saquon Barkley stays because the Giants are five and one, right? If, if, if these two players stick for whatever reason, and I've got David Montgomery on this list, that's a little different, different conversation. But if some of these other running backs end up sticking around, Jacobs may be the best option available. And the Raiders may not want, not want to relinquish him for six, seven, eight weeks, but it may be good business to do so. So keep an eye on that name. You know, other bears I've got around here, Rokon Smith, Robert Quinn. They're a little pricey for deadline. You know, Rokon's got 5.4 million left in that fifth year option. Robert Quinn has 7.1 million and he is not producing. Not certainly not what he did last year, but he's got experience. He's got get to the quarterback experience. Do you just bet on the fact that he can change it in a, in a different system in the middle of the year? I don't know. That's risk. It's a lot of cash to bring over at the deadline and whatever draft pick you're giving up. Now, could a team like the Rams use him? Could a team like the Chiefs use him? Uh-huh. No question about it. But not, not to mention one of these contenders that has an injury. Could the Vikings use him? Definitely. But, I'm just telling you, we, we generally don't see those kind of salaries move at the deadline. Generally not. And this would be a clear-cut candidate for an outright release after this season, if not for a quick trade request this offseason. Chase Claypool's on this list. Had a really nice game yesterday with Trubisky back at the helm after the, after the picket concussion. That was a surprising win against Tampa Bay. This is the Claypool we thought we'd be seeing. High target. You know, high efficiency, actually found the end zone as well, which I don't expect every week out of him. But Trubisky really slung that thing around to a bunch of different weapons. I don't believe Pittsburgh can do this every week. I think they're catching Tampa Bay at a really, really good time right now. And you saw what kind of team that can be against the real big teams two weeks ago against Buffalo. I think Claypool needs a restart. I don't think he's ever getting the contract in Pittsburgh. It's only year three, so they could wait till this offseason to do something about it. But he's one of the wide receivers I have on this list right now, and there aren't many. Robbie Anderson's the other right now. I'm going to add a couple more names here in the next couple of days. Kenny, du- Kenny Galladay's a $7.2 million salary for a guy who's not playing and for some reason has fallen completely out of favor in, in New York since joining them a couple of years ago in free agency. Chase Claypool's a $673,000 salary at the deadline. And there's no guarantee. All right? No guarantees right now, and no guarantee on his $1.5 million next year. So, are you slinging a mid-round pick to get him in the door and try to rebirth him? I think it's worth it for a team that needs it. A Green Bay, a San Francisco. I think there's some rosters out there. Certainly the Rams could use another wide receiver right now. I think, I think if I'm one of those teams, this is the guy I'm locating because that Pittsburgh's certainly going backwards right now at least a little bit. They're treading water. He's got this in him. I think yesterday was a perfect example of why I have him on the trade, trade list here. He's got that in him. And has it just been a comedy of bad quarterbacks for the past three, four years? You know, a comedy of a floundering offense, a, a switch to the run game when Najee Harris got on board. I think there's a lot of things that go into this. But And by the way, I think a lot of this is on him as well. But change of scenery seems to make sense. This is one of those guys that I do think contenders should be keeping their eye on because you can just drop him in, throw a bunch of targets his way, 
and maybe see what sticks. You know, are you getting a sneaky long reception out of him? Are you just pounding seven, eight yard, by, which, by the way, is now the new game. Got to play underneath. If you could teach this guy to play underneath in your system, you could open up some of your big dogs down the sideline. So big, that, to me, that's one of the bigger names to have on this list right now because it may surprise some people, but I think it makes sense from both sides as well. Let's talk some basketball with Scott Allen. All right, Scott, a couple of nice extensions over the weekend. Obviously, with that deadline today, it's going to spur some action. A couple of rookie extensions, still TBD. Um, I don't think we need to speculate on those. In my opinion, most of those are done. We did see Jordan Poole and Andrew Wiggins sign, though. That's obviously the big two here. Just your initial thoughts. Did you think these were going to happen? I know Keith sort of assessed Poole similarly, right? He had him about four for 100 at one point in time, but that Tyler Hero contract kind of changed things a little bit. Where's your head with these two contracts? Yeah, they, uh, they're probably on par for after the fact and, you know, Hero coming and then Poole after the fact probably had set the market. So it probably helped him in, in retrospect. Uh, I think overall, I really don't have any problems. They're very similar players. I think that they um, they are players that the team feels that they can move forward with, and they're not, quote-unquote, max salaries. They're based off of uh, some guaranteed money where some incentives are most likely in there. Now, with the Jordan Poole one, we're waiting to see – if the 17 million in reported incentives is likely or unlikely, which will shift how the cap is. So if it's an unlikely incentive, then his base salary will be what his cap is. So I'm waiting to see the official details on that. We already know Tyler Hero's uh, base was 120 with the 10 million of unlikely incentives. So we're, you know. I think it's safe to assume that Poole's got the same here. I, I, I do too. But for, until I have official, you know, language, I, I have it as out of the 140 for right now. Okay. And then the Wiggins one, that's a different ballgame. This is a veteran. He's, 30, he's 27 years old. This is contract three for him. He, he took a nosedive here, right? I mean, he took a haircut to stay on this roster. There's no question about it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, four for 109, that puts him, if you're looking at a, uh, percentage of the cap situation right now he's at 27 percent of the league cap his salary next year will be at 18 percent of that projected cap right now so they're getting value but it's a player that fits well on that roster as we've talked about before they they lock him up to a long term he has a player option so in the event at the end of that contract he wants out to go somewhere else he can but the the golden state warriors have control over uh, you know, these two players. So if, if something goes south really bad or the team, you know, the, the ownership does not want to pay, they have two players at decent salaries that could bring something back if they needed to get depth at some point or, you know, but it, we've been talking about this, or at least I have as far as get these guys under contract because then the team has the control over if they're trading them or not, but they're under decent salaries for bringing one or two players back if they want to. So the second these two contracts hit, I thought less about these contracts and more about the effect of these contracts. Correct. Um, because I'm sitting here looking at our multi-year view for the Golden State Warriors. Next year is going to be fun. <laughs> I mean, it it's, is. It's going to be a lot of fun to talk about the numbers for this team constantly because 
as it sits right now, we've, there's 216 million and change allocated to the Golden State Warriors next year. Uh, this ain't an NFL roster, right? but that's an NFL cap right there. Um, you know, Curry's at 52, Clay's at 43. We think Wiggins will be in the 24, 25 range. We think Jordan Poole is going to be north of 31. I mean, these are just big, big numbers for your starting five. I, I assume Draymond's going to opt out. Is that a fair assumption? I, I have to think he's going to be looking for a contract extension somewhere, whether it's a sign and trade or whether it's a sign and stay. Here's question number one for you. Does what Andrew Wiggins just did affect Draymond Green? Does it make it possible now for them to extend Draymond Green because of the literally $9 million less he took this year? Um, they, they can slow play. I mean, if Draymond Green is going to get an extension, it's going to be most likely today because right. if, he, if he opts in. So off the top, let me, let me retract back to where you started. The deadline that's for today is only for players with contracts of two plus years Ventures. left. Right. So players that are going into the season that will be expiring contracts like Kyrie Irving, he could technically do an extension during the season. So it, it in Draymond's situation, it all depends on how he would treat that player option. If he wants to opt into that player option, then he would need to extend by today. If he declined that player option and then did an extension, that's a different story because now he would be technically on a expiring contract. So it's all about the timing, as we always talk about in the NBA. So it, it all depends on if he's going to keep that or not. There's no way they're going to extend him today. I mean, no. the optics would be unbelievable. <laughs> you, know? you can't have a guy punching a teammate in practice a week ago. And then hand him $150 million a week late. You can't no, do it. You can't and do that, it. And that's, and that's the benefit of his contract situation is Golden State can wait. They don't necessarily need to. And they can get to June and him opt out. Or, you know, if he opts in, then he, they can trade him in the offseason immediately. As soon as he opts in, they can, they can move him if they wanted to. So the, 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 the control is more in the Warriors standpoint from they have time to decide what they want to do. It's a little Kyrie-ish, right? A little bit. And Kyrie ended up opting in? He did opt in. It's rare, it, though. It's really rare. It, it is, but with Draymond's declining yeah. declining production, a la the, the, the brief stint in the finals that he showed, I mean, if you look at the whole season – his production was we thought he was done for. So with that being said, he would probably want to opt in to get that 27 and a half guaranteed money. Uh, unless through back channeling, he knows that there's a team that yeah. is going to pay him long term at, you know, maybe even 27 times, you know, two or three years, then you could go from that. But you know, as we saw this year, some teams are hesitant on going with that sign and trade now because of being hard capped and, you know, the salaries are getting so high so quick. So it, it is an, it's a fascinating situation to see how this is going to play out. And it's not the only one. And I feel like this one's not being talked about too, en enough. Clay Thompson expires after next season. 
Clay Thompson's got forty million this year, forty three million next year. Then he's a UFA heading into that twenty twenty four season, which seems like a long way away. But in basketball, these guys extend early constantly and kind of keep the train moving. Well, are, I, we, are we going to get to a point where Clay gets extended here? No, and and it, let me let me disagree with you a little bit on that. The signing two years early is not a norm. I mean, we've seen it with Lillard, we've seen it with Wall, but it's not a a massively uh, big trend that teams will extend players with two years left okay. in their contract. I mean, we saw Booker and Towns do so. They triggered the, you know, super max there. But as a whole, no, it, it's not something that teams are necessarily looking to do. Clay's situation is similar to Draymond Green's, except he doesn't have a player option. So it's either he extends today or he would have to wait until next year and if you're golden state again you wait to see where clay thompson is from a health standpoint is he is he back to before the multiple injuries that he had and then you have the conversation of extension after you see where is kaminga where is moody where is wise where are all these other kids that are going to be coming up with extensions over the next couple of years for rookie scale extensions okay you're right, by the way. Steph Curry waited to the last year. He just got in, in 2021. He had one year. Expi- he was on an expiring contract. They gave him the extension. Well, and there's also a benefit for, for waiting yep. in the fact that with this new CBA, extensions is going to be a hot commodity for uh, changing some of the rules. Because I know this whole 120% veteran uh, extension rule is something that yeah, is the probably going to be talked situation, about. Right? The Jalen Brown situation, yeah. correct. So I, if you're Clay, you sort of want to wait as well because you don't know where the, that new CBA is going to take max salaries or extensions. So you don't want to necessarily lock yourself in to 120% and then rules get changed and you could potentially make more. So there's also that waiting period. Hmm. Do you think this train just keeps going though? If you had to guess right now? I mean, did these two extensions right now change your mind in any way? No, they did not change my mind. I had a feeling that this was going to be the path. Mm-hmm. And Bob Myers yesterday sort of uh, solidified that in my mind of, you know, he came out and said, we're, we're focused on this season right now. We'll assess the season of how players are, and then we'll deal with next year when we get there as far as a roster construction. So, again, you lock these guys guys up into monetary value assets. And then if you need to move off of them from after year one or year two, because it is just a breaking point for ownership, then you do so. And that's a solid point. This Wiggins contract is going to be ridiculously tradable. 100%. I mean, ridiculously tradable. So I think if a player like Clay really does turn it back around, I know he's 32, but we have seen players mid thirties, at least at his position, right? A, a guy who's not really driving to the hoop too much anymore. It's more of a spot up guy. We've seen those guys last quite a bit in this league. If he returns, is he a max player, Scott? Or do you think there's been enough, enough red flag, obvious red flags that golden state can demand a little bit less out of him? Because I'm just, I'm just kind of foreshadowing what happens if Moody steps up here? What happens if Kaminga steps up here? And certainly Wiseman who's heading into a, his final club option after this season, there's going to be some rookie extensions coming here that 
things are really going to add up quickly here. Oh, they're already I mean, real. I, I know they already have, but the youth is coming. It's not like those guys are on rookie contracts forever, you know? Well, that's why I say they, Gold State has a has a time buffer that yeah. they can sort of play things out. Let's see where Clay is, and if they don't extend him, then if they don't extend him today, then they have, and he gets into next season. They have all of next season to decide if they want to do an extension because he'll be on that expiring year. So they can either let that happen or let him get to free agency and then sign him, you know, as a free agent or he walks. If his production is back to where it is, then yeah. I, I wouldn't be surprised if it's even below the, that production he seems like a, a a Golden State Warrior for life. Wants to be there. He may take a team friendly deal like a Wiggins did, just to keep the you know keep it running back with the, some of these young kids because of how deep everything is. But you're right the the rookies that are going to be coming up if if they continue to project that they are, it's going to get even. Uh, financial tax steeper than it already is, and and, and keep in mind. We are looking at the Golden State Warriors right now for the 2023. Yeah, the they numbers. only have they only have 12 players that are all guaranteed right now, so they still have to flush out a couple more roster spots. But like you said, 216 million in taxable salaries. That is about 280 million dollars in a tax bill, and that's because they're being treated as a repeater tax. So if they continue down this track, they're going to be a repeater for the foreseeable future. Uh, and so when you add those up, you're obviously over $500 million in total tax plus salaries. So you're, you're talking about a half a billion dollar team for one season. So I, I saw a couple um, report quotes from uh, that are out there floating that, you know, Golden State ownership may think that this is, you know, there may be a breaking point, but that was at 400 million. And now we're talking about 500. So maybe they see that dynasty that I was talking about a couple pods ago where, you know, they, they see that they're on that precipice of dynasty. Let's run it back. Let's keep everything flowing. We really like our roster. Having had that downtime, they were able to acquire mm -hmm. and build through the draft. So they do have young kids that they are able to come in right behind Curry and Thompson and, and green, whatever that, that situation will be, but it's going to be fun and fascinating. Now, I will say, it's it the fun and fascinating is going to happen at least in the immediate future of 2023. But let's keep in mind back when Kevin Durant was on mm. the Golden State Warriors, and everyone was projecting three or four years out of oh my gosh, this team could be at this amount of money, and then it all got blown up the next year because he decided to leave. So it could. This could totally change on on a dime come next offseason when they want to move off of some players. So, so if I'm reading if I'm reading it right this year, as of right now, this second, they're projected to, to pay about 370, 380 with the tax bill plus the plus the salary allocations. So you're talking about 370, 380 up to five five twenty <laughs> from this year to next year that's oh, that's it, what it takes it, to keep it, this well, thing together right now and that's not even including if they rip up and start over with draymond right 
Correct. Now, if Draymond leaves and they bring in some, yeah, fill that, fill that with Kaminga. That's gonna that's gonna leave you drastically. Yeah. But even even with next year, if everyone is run back, even including Draymond, that's only twelve players. They got to be to fourteen or fifteen. So even if you flush out adding in some minimum salary contracts, that five hundred is going to go up drastically because that one point whatever million is exponential because of being a tax repeater and I how just, far I just don't know if this is good for the game. I love that well, Golden State I love that Golden State doesn't care. I'm 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 let, let me let me change uh finish my thoughts so that I don't sound like a crazy person. Is it good that the CBA basically makes it impossible to keep your team together? <laughs> And pay everybody so and pay be, everybody deservedly, you know? That is going to be another contention in the CBA of – and we've talked about this before. I'll say it again. Teams that are signing and extending their own drafted players, should there be incentive? You know, should they get 50%, 25% off of the luxury tax salary to, you know, allow teams to do so? Memphis is in the same situation, or at least they're going to be in a similar situation, not as bad as Golden State, but they extended Morant. They extended Jaron Jackson Jr. before. They did Brandon Clark last night. You know, they're going to have other players that, uh, you know, if they do uh, Dylan Brooks. So there's players on that team uh, where Memphis, who is a small market team, may end up having to pay quite a bit of tax if they want to run back all the you know, players that they draft. You know, the pushback is, and maybe this is what the league says too, but certainly most of the fans will say, just be Tom Brady, T- Steph Curry. Don't, don't make $50 million a year. Make $30 million a year so that you can help the rest of your team out. Well, that's bullshit. He's Steph Curry. <laughs> you know what I mean? Steph Curry should make $50 million a year if that's available in the NBA because that's what Steph Curry deserves to make. And the fact and that... And who's, who, yeah. who's to say Golden State... They may have their initial offer may have just been here's the max. You know they may have not come in and said here's of our. Of course it was. Team. Of course. So my point is it goes definitely goes both ways. I understand the the need for parity. I guess the question is this: Do you think it would be better for the league if Jordan Poole played somewhere else next year, or is it better and more interesting and more watchable? that Golden State has this backcourt? Me personally, I, I like that he's on Golden State. I think if he went to another team, he might go to a team that is not as good. He may not flourish as much. I, I personally like that. Because I think, I think 90% of the, of the franchises in this league would never have signed that extension. Excuse me. May have signed the extension, but they're not keeping them after next year. <laughs> right? It's, a, it's basically a one-year sign and trade. And I don't know if that's the way that this should be. They groomed him. They brought him up through the developmental league and they turned him into the player. He is, I mean, playing with Steph Curry made Jordan Poole the player that he is. So now he has to leave Steph Curry because financially speaking, the CBA says that it's too expensive for everybody to stay together. I just hate it. I I hate how that works. I really do. I, I, I do too. So I really hope when these negotiations are happening, that this is, at the forefront to allow teams to do so because a, with the salaries going as high as they are, uh, you know, yeah. not, not every team, it, mo- 
29 other teams look at what Golden State has from a tax perspective and they're 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 checking out. So yeah, to especially me, as high as it is. Let, let, let me just give you two quick scenarios and we'll get the hell out of here. Cause you know, we've talked about this before, but I, I think it remains interesting, especially in spots like this. There's all these rights in the in the NBA, right? There's bird rights, there's exception rights, blah, blah, blah. Why aren't there tax rights? That's essentially what we're asking for here. What what I don't want to what to be happening constantly is Kevin Durant joining the Golden State Warriors, right? I don't want LeBron James to be able to build a super team in Chicago next year if he feels like he wants to do that. I don't think that should be as easy as it used to be. But if, you, if you've groomed a player, especially if you've drafted the player and have mm-hmm. gone through the rookie contract with them and have made that extension and hit certain barriers with the player, why aren't there tax rights for that? That shouldn't be a player that destroys your luxury tax. That should be a player that you get re- you continue to be rewarded for. So, so isn't that a conversation across all the sports that we cover for the I most part? Think of Aaron. Think of Aaron Judge. think of think of Aaron Judge. His situation. You know, they they brought him up. They groomed him. Why can't they sign him to a certain contract but get a, a tax yeah. reduction? You know, in the NBA, if a player gets suspended from the league, their tax amount gets reduced by 50% of that, their suspension amount. So there is a reduction in that because you, you, you do a negative, you know, mm-hmm. but doing the positive of keeping your players, which the league has been forefront in saying they want their teams to build through the draft sure. and they have changed the lottery odds. They've changed a lot of rules so that they would do so. This is the next step that has to happen if they want teams to continue to build through the draft. Otherwise, other teams that find these diamonds in the rough are going to do what you said. They're going to extend them, wait until that poison pill is done, then ship them off. And and rightfully so, that's that's what could happen with Jordan Poole next offseason. I hope it doesn't happen because I, I, I like to see that this roster is so deep and I would love to see a, a dynasty-esque team continue to do so, but from a financial standpoint, yeah. When is enough that, enough? Hard pill slot. Yeah, yeah, exactly. When is enough enough. My thanks to the Athletic. Plenty of Golden State Warriors tax breakdown work on the Athletic right now as the regular season begins tomorrow in the NBA. Check visit theathletic.com/spottrek right now. Get yourself started with 40% off. For Scott Allen, my name is Mike Chinetti. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Spot Trek Podcast. 